You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Mizzou That's Who. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Mizzou That's Who, your podcast for Missouri Athletics here on KC Sports Network. I'm your host, Tucker Franklin, joined as always by Gabe DeArmon and Maggie Johnson. Missouri Tigers didn't quite get it done in Athens, Georgia on, uh, on last Saturday, losing 30-21. to uh, Maggie was in attendance. Gabe, you were there as well. I was in Kansas City. I did not make the trip down uh, to Athens, Georgia, sadly. Uh, but Gabe, how was how was your trip? How was your time in in Georgia? It was good. It's a it's a good place to watch a game. Um, mm-hmm. I was impressed with the atmosphere, and uh, it was a good game. I mean, it was honestly it was a better game than I probably expected to see going down there. Mm, we'll get into that a little bit more, Maggie. How are you? I saw you went to the College Football Hall of Fame. It looked really cool. They got all kinds of stuff down there. Yeah, so I flew in. I got there really early on Friday with a couple of other Missouri fans who also, for some reason, were crazy and took a 520 uh, flight out of St. Louis. But got there early, got to explore Athens all day. It was very cool. Fans in Athens are great. Don't let the twi- the, the Georgia Twitter fans uh, fool you. The fans in Athens are great. They do bark a lot. That is true. True story. They do bark a lot. Uh, during the game, before the game, after the game, lots of barking. But they really are good fans. They're fun fans. Athens, great, great college town. Probably one of the better ones that I've been to. Yeah. Wish we would have won. You, but... Did you fly into Atlanta when you left St. Louis at 520 in the morning? I I So I had to go to Nashville first. Okay. And then and then Atlanta and then I got a direct back on So on did Monday. you my question is were you able to get a rental car at Atlanta? Did you Yes, because I flew in so early. Yes. I got the that, I got the rental car. I was if, second in line, got my rental car, got to Athens like super early, but I heard it was a nightmare, so I'm sorry for everybody that had to deal with that. Yeah, so if oh, you no. ever fly into Atlanta, do it as early as you possibly can in the day because last year we landed in Atlanta at eight o'clock and waited approximately three hours to get a rental car, even though we had a reservation. Um, so that was to go to the Auburn game. So on Friday night, uh, I get a text from Gerard Hamilton at about eight fifty. His flight had landed at eight forty-two. The wait for rental cars is seven to eight hours. Once again, with a reservation. Um, so he took a lift to our hotel in Commerce, Georgia which was about an hour and 10 minutes away. I, but I heard that actually those. ended up I heard that ended up being a kind of a better deal because they it ended up being cheaper than some people spent on rental cars. So Really? Yeah. So I mean, I think somebody told me theirs was like $120 to on there, so it actually ended up not being that bad, but yeah, I got to pick mine up. My friend got in about an hour after me. I picked her up, and then we just kind of rolled to Athens. So we got kind of lucky, but yeah, lear- I didn't have to learn that lesson. I got lucky, but some other people learned the lesson. 
That sounds awful. Uh, I was trying to think of ways that I could go to Athens for all of this, uh, for this excursion. But then it quickly dawned on me that the Chiefs played an 8.30 a.m. game that I had to be in attendance for for the postgame show. And I said, you know what? Just going to have to skip this one out. Um, I will be in attendance for this Tennessee game, though, this week. So uh, very excited about that. We'll be in Columbia. So um, that's- Fans will be sad. Happy. Fans will be so happy. Maybe, maybe sad. Maybe they'll be sad I'm in attendance. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we'll just have to find out. But let's get into this game. 30-21, uh, to a game where Missouri had the ball and they had a chance to uh, take the lead in a football game against the defending national champion, the two-time defending national champions, in a drive where they had, they had momentum going for them on that drive. Um, you know, unfortunately, it only takes... One mistake against this Georgia Bulldogs team, then they'll uh, they'll make you pay. But uh, Gabe, uh, thoughts on this game? Thoughts on the performance from the Tigers? So we do all these things where we make these sweeping conclusions, and well, can never get over the hump. And this guy's not good enough, and that guy's not good enough. Yep. And the truth is, they were one play from winning that football game, and they are two plays from undefeated, and they are probably two plays from five and four. That is how narrow the margin is in this season. Um. You know, that Georgia is Georgia because they make those plays almost all the time. And I it was not a good throw from Brady on the interception that flipped the game. But also what I haven't really seen anybody do is give the 320-pound dude Nazir Stackhouse any credit for holding on to the ball and then outrunning everyone for like 45 yards. You know, I mean... There's a lot of big dudes that that ball hits in the chest and just flutters to the ground, that they don't catch it. Um, and Missouri maybe lives to to fight another day. And then even after that, Georgia took over around its own 35. They still had to drive. Like if Missouri gets a stop, they still get the ball back and can win that game. Mm-hmm. So Georgia made some plays. And sometimes that happens and the other guy deserves some credit. And we did say, we did say, you know, what would we have to do to win this game we had to keep penalties down did we do that i wouldn't say necessarily i mean it's it's I, tough to know what a penalty is after watching that game if we're being honest that, yeah. but, and i want to be clear on both teams yeah it was incredibly officiated i agree and i got messages from a friend that works on Saturday down south. I got messages from family members that are not Mizzou fans. I mean, it it was a bad day for the officiating crew, I will definitely say. And, it, you know, depending on which, you know, which fan base you ask. And it was hard to also tell, too, because depending on... They would show replays on the screen, and they would definitely click off whichever one made it look worst for Georgia on the screen. So it was kind of hard to tell for fans, like if it was a good call or not a good call. So it was kind of until people would text me that I would even know if it was a bad call or a good call. I, I couldn't really tell, but couldn't tell what yeah. broadcast either, because there was that one sequence where it was the, the trick play that they ran with the ball that was completely overthrown, basically like out the back of the end zone that they called the defense pass interference. They didn't talk about it at all. I don't know how well it was communicated in the stadium that they were calling a pass interference there, but they had no idea that they were calling a pass interference there. Like the, the broadcast. Well, the, the problem on that one was I didn't see the flag for like seven seconds because the official didn't throw it. 
It was the official on the goal line, and he literally dropped the flag next to him. It was laying by the pylon. I, I didn't see it for a long time. And, like, I understand, like, it it was loud there. So I understand, you know, the the, the false start calls. But you have to be better. I, that's something I assume that they practiced all week. You would think. think that they practiced all week. I don't know. It was... It was just something you you were disappointed in. I just feel like flags were kind of flying all day. And yeah, here's I don't know. Interesting, here's the interesting thing to me, though. We thought Missouri was going to have to play a near perfect game to win. They didn't. And they had every shot. And they had the shot. Yeah. They play, Now, Georgia didn't play perfect either, but Georgia didn't play that. Like those teams belonged on the same field together. Those are two top 10 ish teams in college football. Um, and you know, Georgia has now had four games decided by single digits, I think in like their last, I don't know, 29 home games or something or 20, 29 games overall. And two of them have been against Missouri. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, wow. you know, the, the gap between Missouri and Georgia has closed. It is not gone, but it is narrower than it was a year or two years. Agree. I think one of the things I was super impressed with was our red was our red zone defense. Would we hold them to three field goals? I think. I can't remember. I think three. I think we held them to three field goals. I think we did a pretty good job at that. The, you know, we gave up probably too many third down, th third down conversions, and we didn't convert on third down conversions, which I think that that was probably a pretty big difference maker in the game. I don't know. It was that that to me was pretty disappointing. Brady only went 14 for 30, only threw for one touchdown. Cody Schrader played great. I that was big for me too. He was running the ball so well. I mean, we ran all over Georgia. We ran all over Georgia. And then we stopped running yeah. all over Georgia. That's what I think is interesting too. It, it kind of goes back to the LSU game too. It feels like they did a little bit of the same thing where they got away from the running game. I get it. They got a lot of dynamic athletes. They got a lot of playmakers, a wide receiver. But the run of the ball was working. If if they had run the ball a little more on that drive when it's 27-21, you wonder what would have happened. Now, to be fair, Cody had 22 carries and played 60-some-odd snaps. And yeah. They tried to run Nate Pete twice, and it clearly didn't work. I don't. Everybody just forgets how to block. The game, I, I don't have any other. It's terrible. They're the same plays, and he goes nowhere. Yeah, I, I I honestly don't understand it, but I I really thought the difference in the game, both teams made mistakes, but all that. When Missouri made a mistake, Georgia really made them pay. Right there's there's the third down pass interference on Drayden Norwood, touchdown on that drive. There's the pi on Tyron Hopper at the at the goal line. They scored on that drive. Um, you know, and and the the third down numbers were close, but like. When Georgia converted third down, it led to important things. And so ultimately, just Georgia just took a little more advantage of the opportunity. And again, that is why they're 42 and one. That is why they're chasing a third straight national title. They just did just a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think overall, there's a lot of positives you can take away from that game, even though there's an, when another team isn't in the moral victory department. But, you know, we're not on the team, so we can talk about moral victories. And a lot of people, uh, Maggie, going back to your point where you're saying that the, the Georgia fans in Athens were great, 
it's like the one percent on uh, on Twitter is what you're getting the bad one percent there. Uh, but I think that of overall, when you look at this team and kind of where they've been, when we started the season, I was like, man, if they get if they're over five hundred by a game, I'll be elated. Like I think this will be a great season. Now we adjusted our expectations pretty quick after the Kansas State game and. Kansas State just had themselves a game with Texas, and maybe that helps them a little bit there when it comes to the uh, to the to the rankings and everything. When we're recording this podcast, college football playoff rankings aren't out yet. Um, curious to get your guys' thoughts on that here in a little bit. But uh, overall, I do think that it was a a pretty positive game, and I, I know a lot of people had a, some exceptions with like Brady Cook's last interception on that last drive. But I mean, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Game it, they they would have still had to get a, get the ball back and then kick a field goal to tie it. Uh, so it didn't. It wasn't really like at that point after the interception. It kind of felt like the wind were out of the sails and everything like that. But I, that was kind of the big thing that I took away. So you had the ball with I think less than five minutes. I think it was four, four and some change left in the game, driving down the field against the two-time national champions to take the lead in a football game where you had been in and the game that was tied at the half um, was big. It, it was big for that team, big for the program. I know that they're not going to necessarily come out and say that, right? But uh, it, it's okay to be disappointed in the moment, but like big picture, somewhat encouraged. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think most people who look at that reasonably can say, yeah, you had a chance and it hurts not to cash that chance in. But overall, I mean, we started this season legitimately wondering if Eli Drinkwitz was going to be the coach next year. If yeah. you have. Like, I and this is not a guarantee that he is everything's good and they're going to win ten games. Every, none of that. But what he has earned is the right to find out, right? I, I mean, if you at this point don't believe in the direction of this program and don't see progress, then you are consciously choosing not to see it. Right? I mean, there is progress on the field. I think that's internally and externally. I I feel like I see things from like outside of the program like other fan bases too that they don't see it or they don't see the growth too and i i don't i i don't know if people just if they just choose to only see like that the name on the front of the jersey you know what i mean and i that's always baffles me too i don't i I think you're searching for negative stuff on twitter because honestly i think missouri earned a lot of respect on saturday like I saw that from Georgia fans. The for sure. only thing I can compare this to, and this is before your guys' day, but 1997, when I was in school, Missouri lost to number one Nebraska in overtime on the kickball. They entered the rankings the next week. Like they were unranked, and then they were 25 after that loss. And all of a sudden, people who had never been paying attention to Missouri football watched that game and said, oh, hey, that, that's a good team. We got to pay attention to them. I feel like the same thing happened on Saturday. People that previously were not paying attention to Missouri are now going, oh, no, we, we were wrong. We got to pay attention to them. They, th- There's things happening there. I mean, Missouri only fell one spot or two spots in the poll, depending on which one. I don't expect them to fall more than a couple spots in the playoff. Like, a loss never helps you, but I don't really... Th- I, I think that loss kind of helped Missouri in a lot of ways. I do think it's interesting too because there's a lot of national people too. Even that, like halftime shows, you know, you always get those uh, those talking heads pop up and talking about like, well, Missouri, like what? Look what Missouri just did to Georgia over there. They were they were in a game right there. Like that's what you heard 
when they were playing the highlights, it was like, wow, Missouri hung in it there with it. And and I do think that that's, uh, you know, not nothing, obviously. Lee Corso picked them to win the game. I mean, that. <laughs> We need to have another conversation about Lee Corso. You knew it was the trouble podcast. there, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was worried. I was worried. <laughs> oh, gosh, Lee. Uh, somebody go get Lee. Um, no, I. It's, it's tough to watch Lee Corso on college game day now. I feel bad. It's just one of those things where it's like, that's my childhood right there, and I'm seeing it, seeing it go away before my eyes, and just watching him make some of these picks is is tough, but. You're right. I do think that's interesting. And, and Gabe, you bring it up. I think you made a tweet uh, maybe when the polls came out. Um, I'm getting my days mixed up as they all run together, especially with the early German game for the Chiefs. Like It sim- seemed like that was all one day, Saturday and Sunday, and then having time after a Chiefs game was a very weird feeling to have as well in a day. But uh, I think it's really interesting where they do go in the college football playoff rankings uh, because there were some big wins. For- Oklahoma State had a big win over Oklahoma. Uh, Oregon State, I believe, had a win too that that might push them up a little bit higher. There was another team that might have underneath them that might have had another big win, uh, Louisville. Um, then they were kind of right around the same spot. Um, so I'm curious where they do land. I'm, they might. I think they're still a top 15 team, and I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't think Missouri fans should be upset with them still being a top 15 team. Um, but I do think that uh, the college football playoff, man, I, Gabe. I go back to again another thing that you said earlier in the year about like be super sick if there was a 12-team playoff this year. Like, that would be really cool. If there was a 12-team playoff this year, we would have, in Columbia this weekend, a play-in game. Yeah. I mean, the winner of this game would be alive for the playoff, and the loser would be done. And Mm. so all these people who say, well, it just makes the regular season not matter. No, you're an idiot. It makes the regular season matter way more for way more teams. So, yeah. so like, here's the last week's rankings. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington. They're still undefeated. They're still going to be top five. Right. Oregon's still going to be six. Texas still going to be seven. Alabama's still going to be eight. Like, none of those teams lost. That's all staying the same. Number nine, Oklahoma lost. Their two losses are Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Or Kansas and Oklahoma State. Mm. Missouri's or Georgia and LSU. Which one's better? I think Missouri should be ranked above Oklahoma. I think they should be the top two loss team in the country. Um, Ole Miss is going to move up to nine. Penn State's going to be 10. Louisville, they only have one loss, so they're probably going ahead of Missouri. But that, I, I don't know. I guess you could jump Oregon State ahead of Missouri. But Tennessee, like their losses are Alabama and Florida. Missouri's or Georgia and LSU. Which one's better? Yeah, I just but, wouldn't drop them. No, I mean it, it's it's a great argument, and it, and it really is, Maggie. I want to get your thoughts, just kind of on the rankings. It can be such a hot button issue too, just like how they're all decided and settled and everything like that. I'm glad that we're you know we're always going to be arguing about the the number the number five team or the number thirteen team next year or the number sixty uh, fifth team coming up in four years probably because uh, they're going to just keep expanding the football playoff. Uh, what do you what do you think about just Missouri's resume as a whole right now? I mean, they've played some good teams and they've put up some fights against a couple of good teams. Well, when you look at things, I was talking to some people last week because a lot of people were kind of saying that Missouri's schedule was a cupcake schedule. But when you look at the quadrant, the quadrant, I guess resume of it, it really is not a cupcake schedule, considering how well K State's been playing. 
considering obviously now that we played Georgia, um, LSU had been playing better and LSU's only losses are to all really good teams. I mean, yes, Kentucky kind of turned out to be a little bit of a bust. South Carolina's turned out to be a little bit of a bust. But Missouri is still a better team than what people maybe, I don't want to say want them to be, but are giving them credit for. Kentucky's going to be ranked above Kansas State this week, by the way. Who did Kentucky? Kansas State's going to fall out of the top 25, and I think Kentucky will go into it. Mm. Oh, yeah, because they lost. I mean, and that kind of stinks for Kansas State because... Kansas State should have lost that game they, by a lot. They should have. They, they should have. The and, Texas, and Texas let them... They got back in it, and then they blew it. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, that's kind of... I don't know. I'm not entirely sold on Texas. I don't. I think when they have Quinn, they're good. But yeah, like, I agree. They're a different team. They are. The difference in the top eight teams and then the, the next group, and Missouri's in the next group, is the top eight teams outside of Michigan, who everybody just assumes is, like, we think they're really good. It, 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 no, None of their games have been close, so I give them the benefit of the doubt. But everybody else has a win over somebody that you look at and go, okay, yeah, I get it. What's hurting Missouri right now is that their losses are really good, but they are losses. They don't have a win that you point to and say, that's a really good win. Then Kentucky's a solid win. Kansas State's a solid win. You know, but again, like Oklahoma has the win over Texas. So whether that outweighs the two worst losses, maybe. But, like, Tennessee doesn't – I don't know what Tennessee's best one is probably Kentucky. You know, I mean, they're in the same – oh, you know, um, they, they've had basically the same season, so I don't see why they jump Missouri. Uh, and, and it's such a waste of breath because these rankings don't need – they don't matter, right? They don't matter for another three weeks, you know? Right. I, th- I think like they, you can literally rank them anywhere and then in three weeks just change your mind and say, oh, no, we got to make sure they get in the top 12 because we think they're in the 12, so we moved. I think even beating Tennessee this weekend wouldn't even be – like, obviously, they're ranked highly. But I think people, would still, look, people yeah. would still look at it and still be like, well, Tennessee hadn't beaten anyone, so I don't really know why that's that great of a win for Missouri. Uh, you can do, you can do that with any team though. Like I can look at Ohio State and and tear down with it. They, they they probably I'd say Ohio State might have the best like actual tangible resume right now, but I can still look at it and poke holes in it. But, but they probably they probably like. fall this week because Ohio's because Notre Dame lost to Clemson and right. Georgia finally beat a good team. Georgia will be number one. Today. I'm pretty confident. I hope so. And should be. They should be. Yeah, absolutely should be. Uh, Missouri does have a big game coming up against Tennessee. But we got to take a break first uh, before we dive into uh, the Tennessee matchup uh, and the remaining games they have on the schedule. Then we'll dive into some some hoops talk, a little bit of hoops talk. Gabe was there at the uh, at Mizzou Arena to give us his first person's first hand viewing experience of this Dennis Gates team. Um, I'm building it up a little bit more than maybe I should. But first, got to tell you about our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Listen, I was just going through the website and just throwing stuff in the cart and seeing like, oh, this is a really sweet James Madison Duke shirt. Let me put this in my cart. Oh, this is a really cool Idaho Vandal shirt. Let me throw this in the cart. So I was just going through, looking at over the over 150 plus colleges that they got. And they just dropped 
a Mizzou bomber jacket too. Absolutely sick. So if you want to go uh, get that bomber jacket, go get it while supplies last. Flying off the shelves there. Haven't made an order at homefieldapparel.com yet? You can use the code KCSN23 for 15% off your first order. We got you covered there. We got you covered. Whether it's Mizzou, whether it's uh, Tulane, whether it's FIU, whether it's Cal Poly Technical Institute, they got you covered at homefieldapparel.com. We're going to take a break and talk more. Mizzou football coming up next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Big game coming up in Columbia this weekend as uh, Tennessee travels to well, Columbia to take on the uh, Missouri Tigers. Uh, this is a 2.30 kickoff game. It was one of those games that had a stipulation to it, whether like Missouri won against Georgia, there was going to be a night game, or if uh, they lost, it was going to be a 2.30 game. Uh, back-to-back 2.30 games, both on, I think it's on CBS, right? Um, on top of my head. So back-to-back nationally televised games for the Missouri Tigers. This one, lots of implications for second place in the uh, SEC East here as well. I don't really think either of these two teams. Georgia would have to have a catastrophic collapse that I do not foresee happening uh, to play for either of these two teams to claim the SEC East. Tennessee mathematically still can. Missouri can. Hmm. Um, okay. If Tennessee were to beat Missouri and Georgia, and Ole Miss also beat Georgia, that's right. They still have then Tennessee, and then Tennessee also beat Bandy. So they have to go three and zero, and Georgia has to go zero and two, which seems unlikely. It does. I would agree. It seems unlikely. Um, 
14 is Tennessee in the coaches poll or the AP poll, 16 for Missouri in the AP poll. We'll see how that all changes uh, coming up here on Tuesday. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, I don't know when you're listening to it because that's the magic podcast, baby. Uh, you probably already know uh, what the ranking is for the Missouri Tigers. But Gabe, first thoughts on uh, this matchup here. Is this a coin flip? Um, you know, I, yeah, I think we talked last week, like, I know Georgia was the bigger game, but I think this is the more important game. Yeah. Because Georgia Georgia was always a loss. Like, it just always was. And yes, it was a close game, and you could have won it. And I'm not saying the team viewed it that way. The team went down there and thought they were going to win the game. Absolutely. Yeah. None of us did. Nobody else outside the locker room and Lee Corso did. So, um, so all that happened on Saturday was kind of what we always thought was going to happen. Well, this is a game where before the season, I think most people pegged this as, yeah, they're not going to win this game. Yeah. But somewhere around that LSU game, we started to go, maybe not. And depends on where you look. Um, Missouri is a one-point favorite, a one-point underdog somewhere. I mean, it, it is the definition of a coin flip game. Um, the winner of this keeps hopes alive. If you're Tennessee, that you can win the East and do all that. If you're Missouri, winning this game keeps hope alive that maybe you get in that New Year six, maybe Cotton Bowl, Peach Bowl, you're in that top 12 at the end of the year and have a shot. If you lose, then look, you can still have a good season, but I think there's there's a difference between nine and three and ten and two and solo second in the East and maybe in the New Year six bowl. Like there's it's the difference between really good and great to me. And you know, I know some people who listen to this. 10 and 2 is not great. We didn't even win it. No, 10 and 2 is great. Yeah. 10 wins in the regular season has happened like six times at this school ever. It is historic. It is a top seven season in the history of Missouri football if you win the next three games. That's what's at stake on Saturday. There's some schools like Ole Miss had their first 10 win season, I think, ever last year or two years ago. I can't even tell you the last time A&M had a 10-win season. So, I mean, 10-win seasons, uh, they're pretty rare for most programs. They're definitely rare for Mizzou. And you look at the times we have had 10-win seasons, they've been pretty special. So, so yeah, I I would much rather have a 10-win season than a 9-win season. But Missouri's yeah. had six of them, and Gary Pinkle had five. <laughs> so. That's, yeah, yeah, I would. That tracks. That tracks. Actually, yeah, it seems about right. My football knowledge starts at Gary Pinkle, so that makes a lot of sense um, in terms of it. Like, I really think it is a reason that there is a generation of Missouri fans who looks at eight and four, nine and three. That's uh, no, actually, in the SEC, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a top twenty-five season, and that's like that's what you shoot for on a regular basis. But there is, I think, a generation of people who did grow up on Gary Pinkle and just started to think, well, this is what we, this is our right. Every No, no, that's not how this works here. Not at all. That's not the norm. It's not the normal. It's more of the exception. Yeah. That was me. I mean, you're talking right at me. That's, I grew up on Gary Pinkle thinking, oh, yeah, we just make, we just make these bowl games all the time. We'll, We'll cruise to bowl game victories all the time. This is this is what Missouri football is. Uh, but, you know, as I've gotten older and I've matured, uh, 
Well, I don't know about that. As I've gotten older, uh, I I've learned a little bit more about the Missouri history. And I think coming into this game, it's there's it's such an interesting dynamic with Tennessee, right? Like it's I, this this game, this rivalry, if you want to call it. Uh, Tennessee's won the last four. Josh Heupel, head coach there. Bigly. Yes, they've scored 128 points in the last two games. Not not the whole series. Not those last four games. The last two games. I think 122 of them have come in the first quarter. Yeah, it, they've dominated Missouri the last two the last two years, and that's putting it kindly. Last year they had a an incredible offense. They had they were shooting for national title hopes until maybe Connor Stallion stole their signs. I don't know. We're still working that one out. Um, but I think that this year's a little bit different. Uh, Milton isn't the quarterback that Hendon Hooker was. Uh, been running this offense. The timing doesn't quite seem all that right for Tennessee. Um, and, and you're right. The, the loss to Florida is a big one because, you know, I've been on this program saying I don't believe in Florida. As a Florida is a good football team uh, for a while. And, and that one is kind of kind of stick, sticks with me. But uh, this is a big one. I don't think Gary, not Gary Pinkle, Eli Drinkwitz, you got Gary Pinkle on the brain now. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz is going to have the guys ready, I'm sure, and he's going to make them know, oh yeah, these guys hung 128 points on you the last two times you faced them. They think they can just roll the ball out there and they can just score 60 like they have the last two years. Uh, I'm sure that's the message this week because that's what I would be saying if I was it. Like These guys think that they can just walk out here and score 60 on you, hang 60 on your head. Um, I don't think that's the case this year. This is a different offense. Uh, Tennessee last year scored 79 touchdowns. They led the country in scoring at 46.1 points a game. This year, through nine games, they have 38 touchdowns and are averaging 34.8 points a game. It's 12 points a game less. Almost 12 points a game less than last year. So they run the ball really well. Yeah, third in the country. They play pretty good defense. Joe Milton is okay, but they don't have the passing game they had. So, like, this should not be a team that can come in here and hang 60. Uh, They can beat you, but this is not a team that, unless you're UConn, runs away and hides. Yeah, definitely. What's ready? It's definitely a good thing that our front seven is playing their best football of the year. Um, definitely a good time for Tyron Hopper to start showing up. And I mean, dang, he had a good game. Had Georgia, had 10 tackles against Georgia. So, I mean, it's a good time for our linebackers and, you know, everyone to start showing up for sure. This is the time for that because they're going to run... They're going to try to run it down our throats, 100%. Here's here's Tennessee against the grown-up teams they played this year. Because, like, Virginia doesn't count, Austin P doesn't count, UTSA doesn't count, and Connecticut doesn't count. So, 16 points in a loss to Florida, 41 in a win over South Carolina, 20 in a win over a 20 in a loss to Alabama, and 33 in a win over Kentucky. 33 is the high water mark against a real team that counts. Yep. You know, yeah. I'm sorry, 41. Uh, if South Carolina is a real team, I don't think so. I don't think they are. They should have lost to Jacksonville State. Um, I, 
It's such an anti-Josh Heupel offense, and I think it's funny. It's just like, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to play defense, and that's how we're going to win these football games. Just like, this is so different than it was a year ago. I think it's the sign that he's a way better coach than we've given him credit for. Because, like, he won with this crazy throw-the-ball-all-over-the-field offense, and now he's like, well, I don't really have that, so I'm just going to have the third-best rushing game in the country and be ranked 15th. You know, I, I mean... Look, I did not think I, – I think Josh is a good coach. I didn't think it was a good hire at Tennessee. I just – I know Josh a little bit. I'm like, I don't see that personality working with that fan base. Uh, I was totally wrong. He's done a phenomenal job there. Yeah. I, I love that their leading wide receiver's name is Squirrel. I don't know. I don't know why. It's I know. It is pretty sick. There's a lot of crazy names in college football. I mean, Kool-Aid McKintry is the first one that obviously comes into head. That's an easy one. Decoldus Crawford. Yeah. Um, he transferred from Nebraska. I'm not sure where he went. Yeah. But, um, I think Louisiana Tech or something. Yeah. He went somewhere. He was too cold up there. He went back. To <laughs> was <the water>. he? <laughs> right. He's, he, yeah. Not about it. Uh, but you're right. When it comes to um, Josh Heupel there, it, it was one of those hires that was – Kind of a head-scratching at the time, I think, is probably the right way to put it. And it's worked. I mean, outside of South Carolina obscurely hanging 40-something on their heads, uh, that he's he's yeah, had right. put together yeah, – right. we've already outlined the, the circumstances yeah. that could have yeah. gone on around that game. Uh, but I do think that this is uh, – Gabe, as you mentioned, I think Missouri's a one-point dog at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, that, that line keeps moving. It's it's going all over the place, basically. DraftKings are saying, okay, where's the public putting the money? All right, we're going to go the other way now, and just to kind of even it all out. Uh, so they really have no idea what's going to happen, and I kind of feel the same way. Like, I, I, think Missouri, I think Missouri can win the game. Like, I have a good feeling about Missouri going into this game. But I think, I think Gabe, as you said, it's a, toy, it's a coin toss. But before we, like, Move on from it. Maybe you guys can explain this to me. Why do Missouri fans hate Josh Heupel? I like him. I don't know why. Do they? I, a decent number of them do. I know what you're saying. I've seen people not like him, but I don't know. Oh, I. I mean, I, did he say something when he left? I think it's just because no. he left. I think it's because he left before before the board right. game. He left for like inarguably a better job. He left to be a head coach. Right. I think it's. I mean, I don't hate him, but if I had to guess, it's because he left before we played Texas in the bowl game. If I had to guess, I don't know that for sure. And, and, I mean, I don't know how Josh, you could give up the chance to coach the 2018 Texas Bowl is beyond me. I was there, <laughs> and just an experience I will never forget. I got to see a punter be the MVP of a bowl game. Yeah. I, I don't know how you could leave before that one. We did get it worked in that clearly game. Clearly so important to everyone. We did get worked by Texas in that game. Yeah, and stupid Tom Herman made fun of uh oh, God, I I hate that dude. I hate him because of that one instance right there. I hope he suffers so bad at FAU. I hope he has the worst season ever. I don't I didn't even know where enough. But um I'm a sicko for knowing that Tom Herman was at FAU. Yeah, see I didn't even know. Yeah, but it, but Josh Heupel to take that job at UCF after UCF was like, was that? That was after like the whole word. They were undefeated type deal. Yeah, like yeah. we like we're gonna throw a parade at, through Disney World and have a national championship parade. Yeah, like that's a pretty darn good situation to go into. And it obviously parlayed him into an SEC job as a head coach. Uh, so I don't knock him at all. 
but yeah, I don't. I I I've seen that before. The the hate for Josh Heupel, and I don't know why. I just figured he like had said something on his way out, like complimented the team he was going to, and people got upset about it uh, because that sometimes happens. It's very mind boggling and everything. But uh, yeah, I think it's a good sign if if people of a school fans of a school that you used to be at hate you. That's actually a good sign because that means they're really mad you left. Yeah, like it, ain't nobody hates Steve Wilkes. He just well, I don't see anybody being like, "Why wow. Steve Wilkes for leaving?" You know, wow, I forgot he was the coach of this football team. Holy cow, where's he at now? He's like as a defensive advisor in like South, like Carolina, right? Yeah, the Panthers, right? Yeah, uh, I gotta look it up. Oh, he was with the Panthers. He's now, I believe, he's in the he's just a coordinator with the 49ers. He is a defense coordinator of the Niners. Yeah, you know, the vaunted Niners defense has a good defense. Yeah, yeah. Well, Vaunt- better, better at least than the 2021 Missouri defense. I think we can safely say that. That that defense, I'll go out on a limb. That defense was bad. Um, pretty sturdy limb to say that, but uh. Yeah, all right, let's get into uh, predictions. Let's predict this game before we talk about hoops um, a little bit. Um, Gabe, what are you feeling? Um, I mean, but- I'll pick ten, or I'll pick Missouri to win the game because they're at home, and I don't, I like, I don't know. You play this game ten times; it's probably five to five. It's yeah. it, it's just about again. It's going to come down to like two plays. I would be surprised if this is not a close game. Mm. Maggie? No score, though. Um, I'm going to uh, say... Sure, I'll pick Missouri 28-23. I'm going to do uh, Mizzou 34-27, close score. By the way, we all picked Mizzou covering last week. We all got it right. We all get money. We did. I did get money. Do we? Sweet. I, I picked Wazoo to cover in my DraftKings Sportsbook account, and that also paid off too. So that was nice. Um, uh, I also picked the other money line. That did not work out as well. I know, same. I did too. I went with the, well, I did an LSU and a Mizzou one just because I was like, I may as well put a little bit down for a big payoff. It didn't work. So I didn't lose much. I was an LSU went away from a five, a five team money line parlay. The Dukes, the Horns. Uh, I can't remember who else, but I know James Madison pulled through on me on that one. I'm picking Mizzou 36 to 29. Uh, they're going to come through uh, with the win there in the most obscure fashion. I think it's going to be a weird one, and I'm here for it. I'll be in attendance, so it has to be weird. Those are the rules. Uh, all right, let's talk about some uh, Missouri basketball. Hand up. I'm going to start off the podcast by admitting I didn't watch the game against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but we have somebody who did. And he was at the game. Gabe, thoughts on the game? I mean, watch might be a little bit of a stretch. I was there. Um, I, I was aware. I was the, there. I was aware of the goings on. No, um, they had, fifth, they had five guys score 15 points. This is the second time that's happened in school history. They played 12, and that did not include Connor Vanover, who is, along with a couple other guys, suspended for something really dumb for three games. It did not include John Tanjay, who... When I asked about him, Dennis Gates said he was practicing full speed and will help the team, but he, I believe, is coming back from an injury, and so last night was not the night he was going to help the team. I, it seemed like a very Dennis Gates answer. 
Dennis is a bit secretive about things sometimes. Yes. So um, I can't tell you exactly what the reason was, but um, but no, they got a lot of guys like they don't have a clear cut guy that that you know fills Kobe's role. They've got a lot of guys who could, and and maybe different guys on on different nights. Um, find out a lot more about them Friday than we probably did last night. But I mean, hey, last year they started by beating Southern Indiana, which was playing its first ever D1 game by, I believe, six points. Um, they then beat uh, Penn by seven in the next game. So 22-point win, this is, that's fine. There was no I'm gonna, danger. I'm going to start out the basketball talk by asking you a very important question, Gabe, and um, it was requested. I, I know what it's, it's going to be. I already know what it's going to be. <laughs> Go ahead. Um. Do you know if Isaiah Mosley is going to be playing? Oh, that is not what I thought it was. No, my <laughs> favorite... That's what I thought was going. That's not... No, my favorite thing about this year is that I don't have to ask anybody if Isaiah Mosley. <laughs> Did you? I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter. Somebody tweeted, "Like is Isaiah Mosley playing?" And he retweeted it and said, "Chill." Yeah, I think... crying emojis. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I thought that was so funny. No, I I thought you were going to ask me about the seats being black. Uh, oh, to be quite honest, which um. I know Eric, I can ask you about aesthetics. I was going to say, <laughs> I can, I can, I can anything to do with your uniform takes. <laughs> I can report they are black. Um, I, I just, I will say this, the scoreboard is very cool. It like it's, it does lights down on the car. It's very cool. I don't understand yeah. it. And I can't explain it. But I'm just, I'm constantly caught off guard by how many sports fans go to the games for every reason but the game. I mean, there are full reports on our message board of, of like long paragraphs, and they have nothing to do with basketball. It's just I, I, I like that's cool. If the black seats make it better, if the light show makes it better, that's awesome. But um, like you're missing a good team, a fun team to watch on the court. That they're exciting. They're going to be good to watch. I will say you t- or say one amazing thing. I said this in my Mizzou group chat the other day about Sanford Stadium is that water is only $2. You can buy water for $2 there, and I do think that that is an amazing thing. So if anybody from Mizzou Athletics is listening to this, you should be able to do that at Furrow Field, especially like when and it's really hot out, like in August and September. Like, Props to Sanford Stadium. How much, how much does water cost at Mizzou? Like 6 or $7. Like for a, just like a Dasani bottle. For water? Yeah. Okay. I get, like that's, cra- that's crazy to me. But somebody had said something to me, uh, my friend that was there, I guess like the SEC was trying to push push for it to be cheaper. I don't know. We can don't talk about this on the podcast, but props to Stanford Stadium for that. Um, but super impressed with Sean East. I went on another, um, on an Arkansas podcast, and I talked about how he was somebody I was excited to watch to see his offseason improvement. You know, we don't know if this is like a longevity thing, but he had... 21 points, was 7 for 8 from the field, 2 for 3 from 3 point, had 3 rebounds, 2 assists. Very impressed with this play. Yeah, I started uh, online last night, I started the Tamar Bates fan club. So. Oh, uh, I did see that. Yeah, also him. He's, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think Caleb Grill is, like, you can see some of the, the reasons that they're confident um, you know, Caleb didn't shoot the ball well last night, but he was all over the place. Um, uh, Jesus Carolero Martin was like 
He had four assists in 10 minutes and then just didn't play in the second half because Aiden Shaw had nine rebounds. You know, um, so I think there's going to be... I already know after every game, I'm going to be asked about somebody, well, why didn't this guy play more? Well, because there's only 200 minutes and they have 18 dudes on their roster. That is, uh, that's a lot of guys. And, like, uh, like there's he's still recruiting guys for 2020, I guess it'd be 2025 class, right? That's upcoming. And we... 24 class. What, what year is it? Um, I... <laughs> hey, hey, hey I, I tweeted about the beginning of the 2022-23 basketball season last night, so... See, look. I don't know what year it is. We're, we're the same boat. Um, but, like, they're still recruiting guys, and they already have, what, five in that recruiting class? How many... How many people does he think he's going to lose next year? I don't... Well, he said, he said before the season he wished he had four or five more spots so he could have twenty-two or twenty-three players. Um, I, I don't really know what the, but like somebody, somebody on our board was saying, well, it's going to be going to be kind of tough to keep everybody happy. No, he knows that. Like yeah. guys are going to leave. I mean, yeah. guys are absolutely going to leave because they're not playing. I, I mean, that's what college basketball is these days. Well, I'm convinced, Gabe. Missouri's winning every basketball game on their schedule, and they're going to go undefeated national champions. Yep. Uh, from what I saw, the one highlight of a dunk. <laughs> one highlight of a dunk that I saw on Twitter. I, I've got bad news. I believe there are other teams that can dunk in college basketball. Shit. <laughs> Screwed. Uh, Missouri plays on Friday against uh, the Memphis Tigers, who will not have Penny Hardaway as their head coach. They, they will be penniless for that. Penny Yeah. Uh, which I, feel is like, I feel like that's going to need to be a headline at some point. It's it's a shame because Penny Hardaway, actually one of my favorite basketball players of all time. Um, One of the reasons I'm an Orlando Magic basketball fan. One of the reasons I put myself through that. Um, But anyway, they play Friday night, 8 p.m. That game is on SEC Network. You can watch it at the Mizzou Arena. Um, And then the Missouri football team will play on... Saturday at 2.30. You can watch that game on CBS or at Furrow Field. Either one. Uh, we you can go check those out. It is a big weekend in Mizzou Athletics. Makes you busy. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Um, it's better to be busy than to have people not care, right? Thank you. It's a good note to end on for this podcast. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Mizzou. That's who... Your podcast for Missouri Athletics here on KC Sports Network. That's Gabe Yarman. That's Maggie Johnson. I'm Tucker Franco. We will talk to you guys again next week. We'll see you soon.